Welcome to another episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, the Boots on the Ground podcast for replanters by replanters with your host, Bob Bickford and Jimbo Stewart. Here in the trenches with you doing the gritty and glorious work of replanting dying churches. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital, the church website and branding partner you need to help move your church forward. All right. So before we get started, we, we've kind of gotten in the habit of talking about Bob's Yelp reviews. And the one story I have to share is I had said a statement before. <laughs> I, made, I, made a, I made this prodigious statement about how amazing Bob is at finding good restaurants. And I said, you know, Bob, you've really never failed me with Yelp reviews and recommendations. Well, that is no longer true. <laughs> Bob epically failed epically failed in Little Rock, Arkansas at Sweet Papa's for breakfast. We showed up at 8 a.m. Bob oh. Bickford, me, my wife, my kids, we will, we show up at 8 a.m. The, the neon sign says open, but then there, all the chairs are still on the table. There's no coffee made. They seemed really surprised to see us in there. And <laughs> so we come in, we order our breakfast. They forget Bob's breakfast entirely. They never bring me a cup of coffee wow. is the worst tasting grits I've ever tasted in my life. <laughs> my kids only ate like half their breakfast. And then to top oh. it all off, <laughs> I look up and on the TV screen <laughs> behind the cash register, I, I, I'm not going to go into details. I'm just going to say, I don't know what channel plays that kind of stuff at 8 a.m., but I'm pretty sure you have to pay extra for it. Wow. <laughs> wow. I'm not sure I've ever been in a restaurant like that, Jimbo. <laughs> neither had we to that point. Wow. <laughs> and neither should nobody go. But, no. you know, I, I, my other fellow Yelpers had led me astray on that one. And uh, Did you put a new Yelp review up, Bob, after that experience? No, I've been too traumatized. I haven't been in. <laughs> Get some therapy, but then go back to Yelp and update that for everybody yeah, else's benefit. You, you got to give somebody a heads up that that's I, <laughs> my my assumption is that it's not actually a breakfast place. It's yeah. it's it's a lunch barbecue joint because you could smell the wood smoking everything when we got there, and so my assumption is they're just open for breakfast because they're in, there anyway, getting the smoker going, uh, and so they're like, ah, oh, if you want to come for breakfast, come for breakfast. So if you're ever in Little Rock, Arkansas, and you're looking for a good breakfast, do not we'll go there. Go to Sweet Papa's. <laughs> I, I might still try it for lunch one day, but uh, not with my children. <laughs> wow. Hey, man, even Babe Ruth struck out once or e twice. Even Babe Ruth struck out once or twice. All right. So today we've got a special guest, our good friend, Brian Croft with Practical Shepherding. We spent the last two episodes talking about my transition out of pastoral ministry into den denominational work and how God led me to that. And a family affirmed that mentors affirmed that we talked about what does it look like to be a network guy and do that kind of work. And, and so today we've got Brian who has made a similar transition out of pastoral ministry into just full time with practical shepherding has been doing for a while. So first off, Brian, just give us a quick update in in the world the life of brian croft what's happening in your world hey guys well jimbo i like to think that you and i coordinated our transitions the same month yeah, you know, yeah. as part of the affirmation that this is what we're supposed to do thanks for asking it's going well I, i'm i'm about 
three months beyond my transition from the church. So was at Auburndale Baptist Church for 17 years and practical shepherding started about 11 years ago. I've kind of been juggling those two hats for quite a while now. And as the, as the ministry has grown, it, it's just, as you guys know, when you juggle a bunch of hats, it's, you got to keep tweaking and adjusting. You're one person, you have one set of capacities. And so I, I've continued to tweak that when I, when I went to lead the revitalization center at Southern Seminary, which is about six years ago, that brought a third piece to it. And I've been juggling all three of those ever since. And it just hit a point that it was time that I, I had to, that the adjusting was, had been done as much as I could. And I was realizing that this wasn't good for me. I feel like the ministries, including our church, was even suffering. You know, I, I was loved at our church, so they weren't going to kick me out. You know, they, they're going to let me stay as long as, as long as I wanted to stay, right? Which I, I, I appreciate and grateful for. But so a combination of those things pushed me to, to make the transition this past year. And I did it over the course of a year and in the middle of a pandemic, of all things, you know, last year trying to do that. But the transition's gone really well. I've really felt a creativity, a capacity return in my soul in the last three months, just handing off, obviously, the burden of caring for a church and pastoral ministry in that way. And um, still got plenty to do, and the ministry continues to grow. But but I, I, I definitely feel like I'm at a better place as, at a personal level because I was able to to shave that one big thing off that was really uh, that was really burdening and just extending my capacity past a healthy point. So one of the great things you've got going is your partnership with the replant team and the cohort. And you've got a great event starting tonight. Just tell us just a little bit about what's happening tonight. Thrilled to be partnering with replant to do, with the cohort that we do. So we do a video cohort. We've been doing, we're in our third year. We've had over 600 pastors and three years go through this thing. It's quite amazing. We have a, that we've had that many guys come through, but we're really grateful for that. We, we do a 40 week video training through zoom. And, and by the way, the Lord was so kind in us working this out and, and getting all the kinks out and, and really flourishing in it. And then the pandemic hit of all things and everybody's trying to figure out how to go online with everything. And we had that in place. And so that's continued to just, just grow and, and blossom. And so we have level one is the 40 weeks. Level two is when you complete level one, you go to a, a regional group and we do like mentoring groups around that. We meet and we do Zoom calls twice a month with each of those groups. Level three is to be invited to an annual retreat that we have in person. And we're having the first annual retreat, level three really, this weekend. So it starts, this, it starts tonight as we're recording this. So really excited about that and just, you know, getting to see some of these guys in person. Some of these guys I've never met in person. And so I'm really excited to be a part of that and continue to just minister to them and build friendships and and the networking continue, right? The idea was that bring these these guys gotten to know each other on a Zoom call, but to bring all these guys together at a retreat for two and a half days is going to be really exciting to see what blossoms out of that those relationships. Brian, what are what are some of the things that you see that have been really helpful to guys as they participated in level one, two, and three? Have you seen sort of a progression in what guys have experienced and where they've gone in their development? Yeah, great question. I mean, I've seen a ton. I mean, I'd highlight a couple of things. One is just the 
the practical train, the consistent practical training that guys don't get at seminary. So a lot of these guys, you know, a lot of pastors went to seminary, but uh, they had to learn ministry the hard way because they weren't mentored by a pastor and their local church didn't, didn't teach them these things or whatever it might be. So what we try to take them through is, is really the practical training that many of them lack and have had to try to, try to figure out on their own. So when the light bulbs come on through just getting practical training and to get an extended amount of it, I mean, you're talking 40 weeks of, of one hour a week. I mean, that's a lot of curriculum. I mean, that's a lot of training, you know, think about it. And, to, and for me to be able to do it uh, personally through Zoom is, is exciting. So to see the light bulbs come on with these guys and the adjustments they make in their ministries, because obviously they've learned how to do a hospital visit. They've had to. They learned how to do a funeral, most of them. But they had to learn the hard way. And so it's like bringing these things to bear. They they begin to really flourish in those sides of their ministry. They actually grow to they grow to love this side of ministry, I think, more than they did before because they feel more equipped to do it. Uh, the other one of the other things I see that's been really exciting is to see guys connect with other pastors that are 10 miles down the road and they didn't even know it. You know, to connect with a guy that maybe is across the country, but you know, they knew them at seminary or something and, and didn't haven't heard from them in years and they reconnect in those ways. Uh, a third, the last thing I'll say is we designed this to where guys get to ask their own questions in their own words. So these guys are asking questions and stating their situations and you get to hear the heartache and the, the burden in their own voice. So it's not just me repeating it. And five other guys on the call are battling the same thing and they thought they were alone. Mm hmm. So not only do they get to hear that somebody else is battling the same thing, but now they've got a little network of guys that are that start connecting with each other, trying to help each other through it. So tons of things. Those are three of the main things we've seen consistently through every one of the groups we've done. Mm. So how is that all culminated into it, that's related to the most recent book that you that you've brought out that kind of is the culmination of a lot of your resources, a lot of your work. And so talk to us about that latest book and resource that you've put out? Yeah, so we uh, we, we published a 52-week field guide is what we called it. Uh, Practically Trained Pastors is the title of it. And 10 of those published it, and they're distributing it. They're, they That's the best person, the best group to get it through. Uh, but they just did a great job with it. it it's a spiral-bound, like hardback journal format. So it holds up, it's spiral-bound, so it lays flat, and it it's 52 weeks of training in these practical areas. And you're right, Jimbo, the 40 week training we did with the cohort, we designed for that kind of inspired this. Well, let's do a written version of this. So pastors could go and do it on their own with their own interns or with their own, you know, fellow pastors or deacons or whatever. And so that's, so that came out about two or three weeks ago. And man, the response we've gotten has been so encouraging because we, we don't know of anything like it. And so, like, it's designed for a pastor in, you know, rural Minnesota who's a solo pastor to be able to walk through it because it's got 10 of our core books that you read along with it that, that takes you through it, as well as podcasts and articles from our webpage. But the other th reason it's designed is, is to be able to have a, a pastor basically handing him a one-year internship curriculum. We know this. A lot of pastors will acknowledge, yeah, I need to be training guys. I need to be taking them through something. But a lot of them don't know what. And that usually stops them from really developing a, a program to do that. We're handing them the whole curriculum. Here it is. Just go, just go do it. And it's designed for pastors to have a just kind of a template to walk through these 52 areas 
of ministry each week. But then they have the, the freedom to lead discussions in different ways. And my hope is, is when we take them through the week that talks about caring for widows, that that pastor then equip, you know, challenges them to go visit a widow that week in their own church and, and ministry actually happens through that. So I, I'll be honest with you guys. I mean, I've, you got, I've written a lot of books, but um, there was something really sweet about this. This is like the culmination of a decade of writing for me that, that, um, you know, I'm really trusting the Laurel use. I joked, it's like, okay, now, now I can die if I need to, like, you know, it's, it's done, right? When I'm done, when I'm done, long gone, my hope is, is that this, this resource is being used for decades when I'm gone. Man, you know, Jimbo says that after he has some really good bread pudding, <laughs> <laughs> not after he writes an impressive no, book. No, well, I'm not. I've not written any magnum opus of, of any kind. We all have uh, our own legacies, Bob. We all need to embrace, you know? Brian, I love this idea. And so as I'm hearing you talk about it, and I've been familiar with the cohort, one of the things I'm thinking about is, first of all, where was this when I was a younger guy? Come on. But here's the other thing too, Brian, is we've got older guys or more seasoned guys who are entering the ministry maybe bivocationally, or Brian, the real fact is there are some guys who never got this training and they've just been, they kind of figured out the school of hard knocks. Yep. Is it too late for an old dog like that to, to get this book and connect and work through a cohort system? I mean, is it help, help me understand, can a seasoned pastor, seasoned not necessarily by great experience, but seasoned by chronology, I mean, just laps around the calendar. Is it too late for a guy like that? Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad you asked it. I mean, absolutely not. In fact, I mean, that's part of part of the reason we're doing this is to offer what is the essential training that every pastor needs to care for people's souls well, whether they've been to seminary or not. And so um, I find if guys are ferocious readers that they can get a lot of, you know, they can get, you know, so you can think of guys in his 50s or 60s, he's not going to seminary. He can get a lot of the theology and things and by just being a ferocious reader and, you know, good conversations with other pastors and those kind of things. The practical training is the nitty gritty of how we, how well we care for people mm -hmm. every, every day uh, as we're doing ministry. So I think that it is, matter of fact, I met a, I was on, I was in um, Arizona a couple weeks ago. I met a 70 year old pastor who just retired from his job, who is, he went to a replant at 70 and there was just something I loved about that because he's like, he, no, I'm old. I'm going to where there's old people, but I know we got, they got to change and all this. I mean, he just, it was just really inspiring to listen to him. It's like, I, you know, I want to, I want to use my life to, to count for the Lord, however much longer I have. And so I, I just love hearing those kind of stories, Bob, you guys would, you guys wouldn't, would, would probably be surprised the amount of people who say, when we go and talk about this stuff, like, where were you 30 years ago? You know, where were you 40 years ago? And of course, I'm like, you know, well, I was like wetting the bed 40 years ago um, in diapers. But that's, you know, wait, that's not what they're asking me. You know, they're obviously they're alluding to even if you've been in ministry for decades, that there's being practically trained about how to do ministry and how to do it well. Like you may learn how to do this stuff. You guys know this, but that doesn't mean you know how to do it well. That learning curve doesn't necessarily mean lead to wisdom in how to do this well. I, I think we give pastors maybe too much credit that every pastor knows how to kind of learn those ropes. But you may have a practice you just do because you thought it was right. 
but nobody's really talked, you know, people who go to the hospital and stay an hour. I think that is incredibly bad. I mean, I mean, and when I bring up go five or 10 minutes is the typical routine. Guys will come up to me and be like, man, like, I, I thought that was going to insult them, but to hear you just argue the point, you're right. I've gone and stayed 45 minutes in the hospital for the last 30 years. And like, I think I made a mess, you know I mean? Just the light bulbs coming on. So we don't want to assume just because guys do ministry for a long time that they actually know how to do all of it. Well, <laughs> I think that's the most profound statement of 2021 thus far. <laughs> <laughs> I was having flashbacks actually to my uh, CPE training class in seminary where we had to go do like uh, two week rotations in hospital. Man, I learned a lot, but but some guys just don't have that experience. And so uh, this is an incredible resource for guys to get that practical training. So, Brian, one of the questions we always wrestle with us, uh, those of us who've been to seminary, we get the good theological training and it's in many cases, in, our, in all of our seminaries in our denominations, really top notch, right? Really good stuff. Yeah. What about the seminary student who's like going through classes right now and realizes that this may be a, a, a gap in his training and he's got a full uh, school load and he's maybe ministering part time? How are some ways maybe he could could participate in either a cohort like this or just start getting some of this practical training himself and working it in the spaces. Yeah. Great question. I mean, as far as the the field guides designed for now, anybody to be like, we vet through the cohort. So like we want pastors, like we technically don't admit first year seminary students into the cohort. We want pastors in who are in the middle of doing the work or in transition or whatever. So the field guide is actually designed for anybody to pick up and they can walk through it themselves and benefit a ton. But honestly, Bob, I think that guy you just described, the way he's going to get what he needs, find a good local church while you're in seminary who have a heart to train seminary students to actually be pastors. And, you know, so and even even you got to you got to read between the lines, even if a church says they have an internship, because the internship just may be more reading and discussions. I'm talking about going somewhere where they actually say, okay, you want to be a pastor? And a pastor drags you to the widow's house with him. He drags you to the hospital with him. He drags you to the funeral home. He actually walks you through his sermon prep. Mm -hmm. uh, he actually talk dialogues with you about it. He, you know, he's letting you sit in on meetings that you normally wouldn't have access to to learn. So I, I think the the best place to learn all uh, to train to be a pastor is in a local church. I will say that I think seminaries. There's a lot of students who come to seminaries and think they're going to get the full gamut. They just assume that some seminaries are better than others to flag that for them. I, I, I will say, I mean, at Southern Seminary, I know for a fact that Dr. Moeller for decades has said that we're theologically training you. Go get, become a faithful member of a local church and get involved in ministry there. That's where you're going to learn the ministry. I, I mean, I've always appreciated that he has pushed students that way. The problem is, I don't know how much that message actually really registers with students. They come and and just think this is all I'm going to need. And they didn't come from a church that pushed them to look, go find a church, go, go serve with the, you know, go learn from the pastors in that local church. So I think that's the ideal way being mentored by another pastor in your own local church is, is ideal. But as you guys know, that's, that's not as common as we wished it was. One of the things that we value so much about 
what practical shepherding does. So I think you guys have found that middle ground between hyper pragmatic and hyper spiritual, right? Like it seems like uh, guys who uh, create resources, equip pastors, train pastors, uh, a lot of those seem to swing real hard one way or the other, right? Either I mean, let's let's just make sure you know and understand theological truth, and then that's all you need, right? Because because it's really the Lord's church, it's the Lord's work, and He's the one that's going to do it, and and so there becomes this absence of practical help. But on the other side, a lot of times what we find is guys who are so pragmatic and so practical that it becomes more of building off of business techniques and and just strategic thinking and organizational thinking. And there's there's very little room or acknowledgement for the spiritual, supernatural side of what we do. And, and so we at Replant Bootcamp try to emphasize the importance of being both spiritual and strategic. And I, I value, I love, so speak just to kind of that, the importance of seeing all of that as, as you develop resources at Practical Shepherding. Yeah, Jim, I appreciate you sharing that. that. I appreciate you articulating it that way because that's really the, that's really the niche and balance we've really tried to, to capture. So I'm glad you think we have to some degree. I, I, would, I would say it this way. God's word, the imperatives of God's word to pastors is what informs how we do practical ministry. So if you separate one from the other, that's where you get the extreme pragmatists or, or just the, the heady theological, the guy who just wants to talk about it all the time and not do anything about it. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's, that's really what, and it's interesting, uh, the, where this started was the first book we, that I wrote that really kind of launched developed the ministry eventually into what it is, is Visit the Sick, which is a small book on hospital visitation. And I wrote the book and and I wrote kind of a pastoral, like theological, pastoral, you know, practical, that that chronology through the book. And I had a friend of mine who read it. And I mean, the, just the Lord just intervened in this moment and said, I love this, but you actually need a, you actually need a biblical theology chapter to flow out of all of it. And I went, well, wow, you are you're right. And so I went back and wrote kind of, you know, understanding how to do biblical theology. I'll find a theme and walk it through the whole of scripture. And I did that. And one, it just totally filled out the book in a way I hadn't imagined mm-hmm. and had never written a book for us. So I didn't know what I was doing anyways. And but what that did was it set the tone of, yeah, this is how we get there. We we, we have to let everything flow out of the scripture because the scripture is what breathes life into our ministries. It's got to be the work of the Spirit by His Word that gives us power in our ministries and enables us as well as informs us to know how to do practical ministry and how to do that well. And that really is a summary of what we have tried to capture. in every. So regardless of what area we're trying to train guys in, we always try to flow from the Scriptures and it end up in a practical place. Mm. I love that. Last question. If we were to find ourselves as the replant boot camp in Louisville, where would you take us to eat? Oh, come on now. Good grief. I, well, this is like one of the best foodie towns in the country. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Jimbo, I have a whole set of places from Louisville because oh. my daughter goes to the UofL and I always work a good place in. Okay. All right. So I want to see if you guys agree then. All right. So if we, we got one spot to go to lunch, one spot. 
Man. Where are each of you taking me? Okay, I first have to lament. One of the things the pandemic has done is closed some like awesome local restaurants in this booty town. That's been really sad to watch happen. Anyways, yep. Um, I need to think of, Bob, do you have one? That's, yeah. That's like asking my favorite hymn, Jimbo. I mean, I need a little heads up on that one. Let's see. Go ahead, Bob. What do you think? Yeah, so he, so let me preface this. He said, where's a good lunch spot to eat? Like a so lunch spot, Okay. right? That's, that's what I cued off of. And I'm going with, there's a restaurant called Game. And Game is a place where you can get all kinds of different hamburgers. You can get a kangaroo hamburger, an emu, an elk, a bison, or Angus beef, Wagyu beef. You can get all that. They've got great fries. And I'm going for a lunch bite. If it's me and the dudes, if it was this boot camp crew right here, we're rolling into game because I want to get a good burger. Okay. Yep. Okay. Yep. That's a good call. That's a good call. So I'm a I'm a big brunch guy, Jimbo. So a lot of times I'll take people to uh, restaurants that are uh, special to Louisville, but but have like breakfast, lunch options, and those kind of things. There's a place called Blue Dog Cafe that's on uh, Frankfurt Avenue on the the East End. It's a really cool part of town. And so there's a play called it's a it's a brunch place. So you get breakfast and lunch, and yeah. And then there's another place down the road. I got to mention too. Uh, called called the Biscuit Belly. And I'm just going to put that out there. I don't think I have to explain it. It's the Biscuit Belly, guys. You know? That's my my daughter's favorite place. She loves that place. Oh, okay. My okay. And that's that's new. That's like new last couple of years. So, <laughs> I, man, I don't know, man. I'm hungry, though. I'm ready to go get lunch. So, so we need to do a, a boot camp live recording in Louisville at game and at biscuit belly so just do like a series well we could probably do game for dinner couldn't we sure yeah so what, you know, we do biscuit belly or you know for lunch and uh do two episodes and then go to game at night and do it so. well you also mentioned a breakfast place so it looks like we could do a breakfast lunch we got three spots breakfast lunch mm. and dinner three episodes louisville uh somebody needs to sponsor this <laughs> if you get a sponsor jimbo we probably need to ballpark the uh the meal the, the count of how much the meals are going to cost that's going to be a part, need to be part of that that's going to be more expensive than travel at this point that's awesome hey brian if uh if guys want to connect with your ministry and all these great resources where do they need to go best place is practicalshepherding.com is a website there's a contact button so that goes through our staff and, and we you can get to me through that. My direct email is actually Brian B-R-I-A-N at practicalshepherding.com. So you can shoot me an email and that comes directly to me if you'd like to reach me. But that's that's the best way. We have an online bookstore through 10 of those that is just a great partnership. So you can get all of our resources through our website, probably a better price than you'll find on Amazon or anywhere else. All right. Thanks for being with us. Thanks, boot campers, for joining us. If this was helpful to you, let us know. Or if you got a better restaurant recommendation in Louisville, I'd love to hear it. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Replant Bootcamp Podcast, a resource for replanters by replanters. If you enjoyed this episode or found it to be helpful for you and your ministry, please help us get the word out by subscribing, sharing, 
and leaving us a review on your favorite podcast listening platform. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital. 180 Digital is a team of design, development, and marketing experts that love working with churches, big and small. Check out 180.church, O-N-E-E-I-G-H-T-Y.church to learn more about how 180 can help your church move forward.